0: Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform.
1: We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in.
0: I am excited to talk through this with you and hear what your thoughts are. But, you know, maybe we can set the stage, like, really quickly. We're going to, you know, publish this on the Collector's Corner podcast. I would love thoughts from other people as well. And I think really the genesis of this conversation was... Both Jared and I just talking one day and saying, hey, Ike, I'm actually feeling even more bullish on some of the stuff that we had collected a couple of years ago and just the broader initial thesis around long-form generative art that made us sort of say, hey, this, this feels like there's there's really something here. Uh, and unlike at least what I perceive a lot of people going through, current price action in other assets other plays is actually making me even more bullish on it so at least uh, from my standpoint that was the genesis and the reason for having this conversation entitled why you are not nearly bullish enough on long-form gen art i'd be curious to hear if that was similar for you jared and uh i don't know may- maybe anything you can read into into your mindset as to why perhaps you were feeling a
1: similar way so two things I will say anybody else there in the audience who wants to come on up just request. this is an open dialogue. no set agenda or topics or anything. so if anything sparks an interest, raise your hand. Uh, request to come on up. Don't be bashful if you're listening passively uh, while at work. Thank you so much for even just joining in. but honestly, it wants to be a dialogue. Ask them and I can talk at each other all we want. We do it frequently. But if you if there's anything in there you want to talk about, please come up and join us. Um, to go to your question, Aston, I, I think for me, uh, the, the mental model I've been working around is timeline and relative um, upside, if that makes any sense. Uh, and it, it's not just like upside financially. I think it's like um, I think you're. I, I mean it as like um, access to art. Like I genuinely think that some of the art that's currently available is almost like once in a generation type opportunity and you're going to still have, or and that, that window will be closing, you know, quickly. I think the, the, the analogy I use is just as a, you know, getting a, let's say a crypto punk in general, or even like getting access to, an ape, or um, a zombie punk, like those were, you know, four years ago. They were stretch, and it could have looked crazy in the moment. They're now like out of this world, and and only accessible to uh, an elite few. I feel with this art, and I think you're starting to see some of the preliminary stuff. Is if you take a long enough time horizon, uh, you know, we're actually in a opera. We're a very blessed time period to be able to acquire. And have access to to individuals and talk on a very personal level with with the artists uh, specifically that uh will become foreign or at least we'll look back on it with rose-colored glasses and and, and reflect on how amazing this time was because it was just riddled with opportunity um and and i think that uh you're I'm encouraged by the overall art market. Uh, you know, I always point back to a article by Derek of collab currency and maybe we can go find it and pin it up here, but uh, about the Lindy effect and just how art has been a store of value. You know, It will probably, it, because it has in the past, you know, millennia and centuries, it will probably, or will likely be in the coming future. And to me, I think we're starting to see that in in this bear, art was fairly resilient. If you look at it purely from a financial perspective, relative to some other assets, but I think more than that, you're just gonna we're, we're not gonna have the ability to to collect at these prices for for much longer. I think the last point I have is I'm really encouraged. Uh, you know, to see elite collectors um, come into the space. You know, I'm a little bit of a Ralph Paul fanboy. And it was cool to see him being very public about some of the art acquisitions that he's starting to make recently. And, you know, whether you like the guy or not, he's been pretty successful about, you know, calling stuff in advance. And his his thesis around NFTs and specifically art NFTs has been one of, of conviction on a long timeline. I guess I'll stop there.
0: No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And... Like, let's, maybe we should break this down a little bit, right? So you're saying that you're feeling like some of this art is going to get locked up and not really be obtainable anymore, say, well, in what time frame, right? I'm assuming you mean kind of like in the next, call it three to five years. Um, So that's one question. Another question is like, can you give folks listening and me an example of which type of art you're talking about? Right. Like my guess is you're not talking about uh, the, the weekly art blocks presents that releases. You're talking about a very select set of art. You may not even be talking about all chromey squiggles. You might be just talking about, I don't know, like a bold chromey squiggle or a pipe chromey squiggle. Um, and I think your analogy of the more rare CryptoPunks and the uh, Autoglyphs and probably a few things like that does make sense because those at least... Me and I'm sure to a lot of people feel completely unattainable, like it's never going to happen unless whatever I hit the lottery or, or something along those lines. So, like, what kind of time frame are you seeing this in? And you know, you, you don't have to be like super specific if you feel like it's not a super specific answer. Um, and then also, like, what, what subset of this art are you talking about? Because I do think sometimes, especially in Discord, when we have a lack of specificity in communication just through text, uh the, the meaning sometimes gets lost. So yeah, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that, Jared.
1: So I, I will distinctly I, I function in a couple of different realms right now. Uh meaning I have my personal collection that is I plan on handing over to my boys at some point. My boys for context are two and five, right? So that to me is almost like a 20 plus year timeline horizon. Uh, that I think, and then, you know, obviously running the fund, I have more of a, um, I I have a split type of mentality. There's the the short term, but then there's also long term. So uh, how to respond to this? I think that a lot of this art becomes unobtainable in the next five to 10 years. I'm a little bit further out on the, the spectrum. I think we, and I also think that this is, I think that, how do I put it? I think that when people become or feel crypto wealthy where they've gotten some returns, I think that, you know, this is a a phrase that I've heard and I'm trying to propagate, all roads lead back to art. I, I truly do believe that. And I think that, you know, as some of our, you know, coin bags go there then we'll be able to afford some of those things or have an opportunity later on to acquire them and i think that we we see a rotation later on once the the market starts to you know loosen up a little bit um so i, I think that there could be some some near-term speculation as long as and again this is not financial advice we should probably lead in with that uh and and we're purely my opinion i do think that Especially people from the maybe traditional investor world have viewed art as an investment vehicle, and I think that they will continue to do that. I mean the fact that Alan Howard already has you know gone out of his way to acquire really amazing pieces I think is indicative of what the um, what what the market could look like, and some of these Grail pieces will just become harder and harder to go, and they'll I mean, I was listening to somebody talk about the, the traditional art space, and they're saying you're lucky if you see uh, you know, a traditional painting, for example, come up once in a generation because families have a tendency to hold on to some of these pieces. I think you're going to see something like that start to show in the gen art as people – I mean, my bold squiggle isn't going to come on the market for a very long time, right? It's, I cherish it so much. And I think that you're gonna to start to see a lot of people lock them up for a long period of time. I don't know if that addressed your question, him. I'm sorry.
0: Um. Yeah, and look, I, I'm i also somewhat like anticipating questions that people might have, right? Like, do I need to do it now in this bull run? Or like, can I wait? And I think it's uh, not a fair question because the truth is like, you don't really know. And I think if you look at a lot of assets, especially illiquid assets, it's not like a steady linear rise or decline it tends to be in quantum steps right nothing's happening for a long time then boom all of a sudden it takes off and you see this in certainly like even some coins uh but generally speaking i mean i i, I had this experience with tesla stock i held tesla stock for like three years it did nothing i sold it and like three months later it started its its epic rise Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's part of it. It's like, you, it's difficult to time these things. Um, but you know, one thing that I think would be interesting for people to hear what you tell me about a lot. And what I've noticed is like a lot of this art, not a lot, right. I mean, and it's hard to say, I don't do all the on-chain sleuthing that you do, but it does seem to me that especially at the higher end, some of this stuff is getting picked up. And I feel like a lot of the day-to-day participants in the market are, Kind of ignoring that fact and focusing more on the few flippers who are, you know, kind of lowering floors a little bit and not everybody's a flipper. Some people want to rotate and go go chase something else. That's totally fine. But people taking liquidity at prices that are lower than, say, it was a week prior, right? But um, I forget the name of the company. There's like a kind of like a, not a market, maybe, some kind of an OTT, OTC desk. I think they're called Fountain or something along those lines. Uh, but I remember they tweeted just this week or last week that they had helped place two autoglyphs in OTC deals. Like, that's a big deal. That's a really, really expensive purchase. So if you are not bullish on art, gen art, you know, let's say those went for 200 ETH each or something around that. I mean, we're still talking... At least, uh, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars that somebody put into those things, right? Um, we've seen some buyers come in. There's one uh, name that comes to mind: Force the Habit. They recently swept up some anti cyclones. They've been buying Fidenzas, and you know, you might say, "Well, anti cyclones only like a five eighth floor, and whatever is at ten eighth before." Um, but I think that's kind of missing the forest for the trees. Like this person bought. Twenty ether worth of anti cyclones, almost fifty thousand dollars. Like that's still a lot of money. That's still conviction. So I think it's easy to kind of zone in on those floor prices and lose what's happening, often quietly. And look, if I were rich and I were trying to accumulate and not let the market know, I'd probably be doing it quietly too. You know, I, I, why would I make a splash and have everybody jump in? Like, let me get the prices I want to while it's still quiet. Well,
1: it's OTC. You know, desk that you're talking about. I think that the, I mean, this is functioning, in my opinion, kind of in the the context of what uh, you know, a private art um, dealer would do in the in the traditional market, where they're helping place pieces or find homes for them, or find a you know a collector, help find the pieces that they want to cherish for for an extended period of time. Uh, I mean, again, I forget who mentioned it. I think I read it on X today, but the you know. There was a, a large punk deal that was OTC, and then um, you know two Fidenzas moved from the Sotheby's wallet, um, you know, private sale too. So there, there's a lot of stuff that uh, th- they aren't shown on our, our overall sales feed, but things are moving around in a fashion that uh, that gives me a ton of conviction. And, and going back to what you, uh, I think one of your original questions is to me, I think the market with some of this uh, early movement is starting to show, you know, some of the art that you know, in the next run up, will we'll be covenanted by collectors. And you can start to see some of these narratives pull away with with anticyclones being one of them, in my opinion. I think that they're, you know, clearly a fan favorite and Williams doing, like, great work all the way across a lot of his drops. So, um, and, and then I think you're starting to see, like, that work in particular, if somebody's going out and picking up, I don't think, it, I think it's undeniable that, You know, in my opinion, you know, punks, fidenzas, autoglyphs, and squiggles, like to me, are above and beyond, like clear winners for um, you know high level collectors. I mean, I'm punkless, so I you at least got a a one up on me with the punk. But I think that like there's this really intriguing, um, you know, with the wallet tracking, you can start to see where people are placing. You know their eth and, and it's i think it's meaningful I mean to your point like I just did the math if somebody paid 200 for each of those autoglyphs that's almost a million bucks right like that's insane money to, to for two pieces of art and i think that it's uh it's indicative of, of how people believe the the autoglyph will be viewed historically i don't think there's any denying that
0: right and we're not even counting like some of the one of ones right like a lost robbie moved recently i mean there there are plenty of examples even outside of the code generated uh, gen art that uh hit, hit that point so yeah and, and i mean like let, let's talk about long form gen art uh i i have thoughts on why i am still very bullish on it and increasingly so seeing a lot of the stuff coming out these days but uh I don't know if we actually even talked about it, but like, yeah, what's making you more bullish on long form gen art lately?
1: Uh, great question. Um The thing that's given me the conviction is the, the artists um, are leaning into the art form and the, the community is not shying away from it. It's, it's not, Speculative, like the collectors that are here, like have a genuine love for the for the for the craft, and and honestly, I've enjoyed watching artists really fine tune algorithms, and, and now that like they have the time to to develop them, just seeing some of the stuff that's coming out gives me a, a ton of conviction. There's just so much talent in the space, both from like a collectors and curation. I mean, I think I pointed out, like, Studio 137 and their curation of Smile by Rope the other day. Like, uh, you know, like, it's incredible the eye that some of the people as collectors have. But more than that, dude, it's really, the the thing that gets me motivated is really the artists. Uh, I I can't speak highly enough about having the pleasure of being able to connect with enough artists and seeing their true passion for the algorithm and just the way they continue to push the art and in, and what's cool is with everything on the blockchain, you get to see a logical progression and, and I won't even say maturity, but just the, the advancement of the art, uh, the throughputs and, and and just being a part of their story. Uh, dude. It's like a story that I think we look back on with rose colored glasses. How about you?
0: Yeah, t- let, let, let me like uh, push on you a tiny bit more here um anything specific about long form gen art uh or yeah that 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 has you more particularly jazzed not because a lot of what you said i agree with but i think it's not specific to long form gen art so i'm curious if there is something specific there
1: long form to me in particular is really awesome And, and again i we talk a little bit about it offline but I love the randomness of the algorithm and allowing the, the artistic constraints that an artist puts in through the algorithm. And then in some weird way, being part of that co-creation by minting and allowing the, the hash at the time to create a piece. I, I always go back to, I know it's a little bit of cherry picking, but something like the goose to me or starry nights or the God mode Fidenza. Like these are all things that were like statistical anomalies and, and you know, by all argumentative fashion, weren't supposed to be in existence, but because of this like miraculous synergy of the blockchain and an algorithm, they're they're here for for us all to enjoy. So long form to me, it, it, it allows the reason why I love long form is it allows for an algorithm to, in my opinion, fully explored, but also like the gives artists the the creative parameters to allow like. The, the full exploration of that algorithm.
0: Yeah, awesome. And sorry, sorry for putting you on the spot. I I just was curious to hear your specific thoughts around that. And I, I'd like to kind of lay out my my case here. So I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but I would love for anybody in the audience to hop up at any point in this rant and 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 tell me what you think. Um, and just if you disagree or agree or whatever. Uh, So like for me, the experience of collecting long form gen art, when I am comfortable with the notion that I would be happy with most of the outputs, and generally I feel like all the outputs are good. uh, That's like the best experience in collecting art that I've I've had full stop. Then I'm not saying that is the best out there, This is for me personally, but I think other people may feel the same way. And I'll kind of break down why. And one caveat I will say here is that I think in order to really feel comfortable with that minting process, you have to be able to play with the algorithm ahead of time. You have to run it, you know, a dozen times, a few dozen times, whatever, and see enough outputs to be like, okay, yeah, like I I would be cool with any of these outputs. And when we say long form, just to make sure we got all the right definitions here. I mean, the artist does not decide what the outputs will be ahead of time. They let the algorithm run and whatever comes out, comes out. Now, I think that this was brilliant. And, you know, Snowfro just kind of created this concept of the Chromie Squiggle. He has mentioned before that he didn't think it was fair that he could cherry pick whichever crypto punks he wanted to mint. Obviously he famously minted a ton of zombies and we went after that. And I think that him introducing this random element made it just something that, that took it to the next level. And this randomized element is, it exists in every single PFP. Like every single one that means, okay, maybe not every single one, but let's see, 99% of them, they have this random element. And I trace that back to the Chromie Squiggle. I think that's historic. I feel like that's a little bit lost on, uh, you know, in the in the history books here. So I feel the need to bring it back up. But I think that this is what I mean by long form. And this is what I mean when I say you feel comfortable minting because you know you're going to get something personalized and you feel comfortable that, hey, I've played around with this algorithm enough to know that what I'm getting is great. So for any artists out there, like I highly, highly recommend that you make your algorithm available if it's going to be long form because people don't really like buying stuff and then not liking what they got. So if you have random output, to me, that's like the only way that the collector can really be more confident in that. Um, And I also want to, sorry, one other quick caveat, I'm not saying that every art has to be long form gen art, but this is not the point. I think you do what you want with your artistic vision and whether that leads to a certain edition size or a certain style, that's great. But I've heard a lot of people saying like long form gen art, the way it was done before, it was dead. You know, it was a time of the past, it's never coming back. And I just disagree with this because I had such a good experience collecting it. Like I have not experienced, I've not had a better collecting experience than that process. And I think that for me, why I'm more bullish on it than ever is because as time goes on and I'm collecting art now and I'm, you know, fine, maybe I'll buy a meme coin here and there, maybe a, a PFP play, whatever. Um, it's just, it's just not as fun. Like, I don't like it as much. I don't get that feeling of here is this beautifully crafted piece of art that I'm obtaining. I don't, and, you know, with PFPs and meme coins, you constantly got to check it and, you know, airdrop farming, whatever. And like, you gotta be on top of it. You can't just buy something and enjoy it and not worry about it like that. No, you, you have to worry about it. More than that, and you have to spend a lot of time, and there's a lot of cognitive energy in dealing with this. And and I get it. A lot of people feel like this is a great money making opportunity, and you should totally chase that. But I feel like there's this reactionary narrative going around that's like, well, everyone's doing this other stuff, and none of the long form collection, gen art collections are going up in price. And well, there's just too much of it, and you know the, the whole thing's dead. And I'm like, wait, what? Like. Did that user experience just disappear? Like, I, I don't think so. It's still there, right? So, so so, what's going on? And I think that a few things that are, are confounding here are that uh, confounding is in, you know, getting confused with the, the truth is that like some long form collections shouldn't be long form gen art collections. Why? Well, if the algorithm has some bad outputs and people mint that and, and they don't like the outputs, then uh, you know it, your, your collection probably wasn't quite ready, right? Also, some of them don't—they're too large. Like there's not enough variety to justify that collection size. It doesn't feel like each piece is unique. It feels like you have a you know a, a grouping of editions. Maybe it's editions of twenty because there's really only twenty variations that a collector can appreciate as being different. Well, th- then your collection size was too large, right? And to me, this actually. Brings me back to being even more bullish on long form gen art because I realized there's not that many instances of it done really, really well. And a lot of those instances were some of those earlier days in 2021 and 2022. And I think that it's just a really, really hard art form to pull off. And as much as I love the visuals that I see in some of these collections that are some of my favorite collections, I'm just as impressed by the technical skill required to hit that balance of being able to create the long form collection in such a way that each piece is, feels individual but, and is also beautiful. Like That's really, really hard to do. Like I just haven't seen a lot of it being done well. And I think that's really what is happening. And, but I see this as an opportunity for the artists who continue to work on that craft and are patient enough to do that uh, because I, you know, uh, anyways, lots of thoughts. I've I, I riffed there for a while. I'll pause. love to hear any thoughts you have.
1: Well, I will add like for me specifically to Gen Art, one of the things that I love is digging into the outputs after they are done. I mean, it was one of the foundational pieces to Collector's Corner and why we started doing the, the project deep dives was to really unveil the the not only like the artist's intent and give uh, collectors the confidence to to buy some of the the pieces, but also my my the, the funnest part has been really discovering some stuff uh, early on. Wh- whether it's like different algorithms of the chromey squiggle or you know the subset of Stuff outside the metadata, the different backgrounds within memories of the, you know, within the different palettes. To me, these are the 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 beauty of, of Gen Art is is really not just you know the the randomness, but it's also then like being able to look at it. I mean, I was uh, looking at DC Investors um, collection the other day. And, you know, he collected around memories of like triptychs around each of the different, or some of the different palettes. And, and it really showcased, I thought, like the breadth of the algorithm when you're able to see all of these three pieces next to each other. And I thought that there's something like really brilliant about that as the art, right? Like, and, and look, I think that there's a, a place for pre curation I'm not saying that there, there isn't, uh, I'm not throwing shade. My preference is to have the the generative art the the long-form generative art because it it creates that sense of discovery right like I, i just i've really for me one of the passions i have around gen art is digging into that algorithm and the output and piecing it together in a in a fashion that makes sense in my own brain and i think that as people dig into algorithms more they start to see it in a similar fashion but but to their own but to their own narrative right
0: yeah, totally. And and I think that I mean, you're right. This is one of the things that we connected on. We were both like engineers by training, more we left brain. I was like never really into art, and it felt like this the the traits and the characteristics that were in these collections, it was fun to like figure them out and see how they're different and once you kind of train your eye to be able to identify them which truly isn't that hard you just kind of click through filters on open and, and you figure it out pretty quickly for a lot of the traits not not all of them which is why we did our deep dives uh right that, how the collector's corner even got started and what i think people what i think about a lot is like i i, feel, I find it extremely engaging even if i don't own any of these collections to just go through and look at the variety and sort of explore the algorithm in that way and what i've noticed is that even with pfps i'm going to use a pfp example like if i'm buying a pfp that i care nothing about let's say it's like a meme pfp i find myself wanting to collect more of them for some reason i'm compelled to be like yeah i, I want one of this type. And one of that type and maybe one more of this type and you were talking about dc investors memories of, of trip ticks. it feels like there's this natural drive to want to collect and you know i was doing a little research into this as i was thinking about it like there's evidence of collecting going back to like prehistoric ages right like archaeologic evidence of, of humans collecting stuff there's you know kids collect stuff when they're so young that they probably you know they don't really have a concept of like money per se but you know were they collecting bugs or something that like wouldn't be valuable anyway so it's like this this collecting behavior exists in us i think there's ample evidence to feel confident about that and then it's like well this art felt like that right i mean i'm like okay i want an anticyclone of this palette and then uh, like a a guide 1 ada and a guide 5 ada and like the guide three Ada palette, right? Like that would be super cool. Ada is the palette in the background of my PFP. And what you start to notice is when long form Gen art is done well. And I actually think uh, Harvey is the one who, who taught me this. He's in the crowd here. What happens is the way this these art pieces are constructed is you have different levers, right? Like one lever, for example, in Fidenza, is spiral, yes or no. Another lever lever is the palette. Another lever is um, you know uh, the, the turbulence right like how much uh, fluctuation is in the line some of them are straight some of them are curling onto themselves in, in terms of the blocks and the way you generate a unique output is by pulling all these levers in random ways and, and obviously you can weight the randomness a little bit but in that way like when long-form gen art is done that way and constructed in that way you can pick out what type you have which is not that different than saying hey like I have a, a golden moon bird, right? Or, you know, a friend Blurman's in the crowd, he's got a robot moon bird. And then you see another person with a robot moon bird and you feel some kind of kinship or, and then maybe you wanna collect one of each type, right? Like there's people who wanna have one of each type of squiggle, one of the six like primary types. And it, it kind of gets you to want to collect stuff and also builds a community around the traits that you have. And to me, that's relatively unique Uh, from my understanding compared to like what was out there in the traditional art world before. And, you know, like you were talking about Raul Paul, right? I got excited because Raul Paul has a crypto punk that's similar to mine. Similarly, Brown, Vampire, I don't think he has the eye patch, but whatever, it's pretty close, right? And uh, I I don't know, maybe that would excite Raul too. Uh, Maybe maybe not, because like, (laughs) he (laughs) he doesn't know who I am. But, that's not the point right the point is you you start feeling like this connection with people automatically and there's that sense of community that forms again if it's done properly if it's done well and i actually think snow is brilliant at this like his new collection with the three forward slashes was, was highly collectible also in my mind and i think that I don't know. It it just feels like maybe there's this narrative that it's dead and like people are moving away from it. And truly, I I think this is an opportunity because of that. And the last thing I'll say, Jared, is to your point about with long form where you don't know what you're going to get. There's like a mystical quality to it. Right. The fact that the Goose Ringer exists is sort of this nebulous, awe-inspiring thing that really captivates our attention. Like, I just... To me that's that's like the pinnacle right a a output that was never supposed to happen that is not statistically rare per se at least by the way that the artist set up the algorithm but is incredibly rare in the way that we humans perceive meaning in it i just don't think artwork i'd be i guess we have higher examples like people's whatever, every day is sold for $69 million. And maybe we'll have a few examples like that, but I feel like that is so rare and hard to accomplish. And again, mystical, uh, it's just super captivating. And I think if we move away from long-form gen art, we move away from that, and, and that no longer really becomes possible. And, and that's fine, like to your point, like there's a place for all these different styles of art, but to deny the qualities of that and to say they don't exist because what some people are paper handing at the floor, like that seems crazy to me.
1: So a few things I wanted to, again, remind anybody in the audience, since we have a couple new uh, people in here, if you feel encouraged or sparked by any of our comments to come up and hop on stage, please come up. This is intended to be a uh, open discussion and dialogue. It's not necessarily just uh ask them and I talking. At each other or at you guys, so please feel free to raise your hand and come on up. But the one of the things that I, I, you know, to come back to the the prompt of the spaces, which is not being bullish enough on long form, is to me stems around like the collectability that you touched on. I think, and I see this happening with squiggles in particular, is you start to see people rallying around specific traits or groups, and 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 I think that. As the space grows and and the art becomes stickier, because we're all emotional beings, right? No matter how rigid you are, I'm a rigid engineer, but yet I'm, you know, I can still see, I get emotional when I look at art, right? It will draw people in. People will be tied to it. And and you start to see things coming out, like include for the the squiggle specifically, the fuzzy fam, right? You see people really starting to take sides, like the nickname of like a chunky yeah <laughs> that will get sticky eventually. Aston's gonna keep propagating that over time.
0: I, I love but, the monochrome slinkies. Jared, Jared hates on
1: them. I don't hate on them. I just my preference is for more colorful uh, squiggles than monochrome. And but I think that, that that's the beauty of it, right? Like we're usually aligned on so much, and we can have this discussion. And the reason why I'm so bullish on on this long form gen art, and then we'll let James speak since we he uh, was courageous enough to hop up here is you're going to start to see the communities like kind of you see developing in pfps and whether it's around specific traits or a general collection i look forward to to having more heartfelt discussions around the art and you know whether the the algorithm was sufficient or the outputs are indicative of the true extent of it like there's just there's so many thoughtful conversations that can come as a result of the randomness and the beauty that is generative art. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that having those traits, having that collectability, having the, and then having the, the possibility for something unique to emerge is, is really special. And, you know, I don't know if they all have to be 300 plus pieces. Like, maybe some nice 50 piece collections is a good place to start too. And I understand the sentiment that too many things were forced into that genre that shouldn't have been, but that doesn't mean the genre is dead, right? To me that those are examples of it not being done well. And I'm sort of like, why are we judging the whole genre on examples of it that aren't being done well? Like, you know, I can find plenty of one-on-one artists that don't have great art. Like let's be honest, but that doesn't mean one-on-one art is dead. So it feels like a little bit of a, a non sequitur to me. But James, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: Yeah, what's up? Nice to talk to you guys. It's been a little while. Um, I know. yeah. Hey, I got my head down, man. I'm like almost done with the new long form project. So it's it's a grind, but it's so much fun. Because um, it's not even fun to just explore. It's fun to make, I got to say. But the point I was going to make about when I make the case for long form generative art, and I think about the longevity that you guys have mentioned of wanting to hold some of this art for a decade plus is the durability of the art form. So generative art's kind of unique in that it's infinitely scalable. And that seems like a subtle little thing, but it's actually really important because when I go back and I look at some of the first digital artworks I did like 20 years ago, I was on like an 800 by 600 screen, like a CRT. And they do not look good on, say, like a brand new monitor of this day and age, right? They're like basically a thumbnail and you can't get that back, right? Like that data is locked in. It's kind of lost at that point unless you have the word, like the file that you started with, but even then, not exactly. And like, yeah, you can upscale the other things you can do. But with long-form generative art, it's as simple as just re-rendering the artwork at a new larger size. And you're gonna be able to have basically like a brand spanking new version, right? With this with the artist's integrity still there. And it's not left up to like some AI rescaling algorithm. And I think that's really important. And when I talk about the durability of long-form generative art, I feel like it's underappreciated. But in the future, like we're gonna need to lean on that, right? Because there's gonna we're not gonna be stopping. You know, the the resolution increases in the screens we look at the way that even with like the Vision Pro, you can view things right like art that is made this way is going to stand the test of time, like no other digital art form, Um, even with things like paintings, right, like you can lock them up, you can put them in a black box where you can't even let any light in, like there's still some level of degradation that's going to happen but with this art form it's kind of genuine in a way that not other many other things are and, and some people might jump in and say well you're just talking about a vector file and like that is true but with a vector file you have no access to like pixel manipulations or animations and all these things that, or interactivity that you can do with generative art so just wanted to make that point when we talk about the the art form
1: I love that point because, you know, kudos to Artblocks for having some of the, the foresight for that. And if anybody who hasn't seen it, especially if you have the opportunity coming up in, in um, I think it's April, you know, NFT NYC, usually Samsung and Artblocks has a really good partnership. But my first uh, encounter with this scalability that James speaks to was NFT NYC two years ago. And the, the art was on a, a three-story screen. And it's just, it's absolutely stunning to think that what we're so accustomed to looking at our phone could be just as beautiful, if not more beautiful uh, in that format. I mean, it's actually where I fell in love with uh, TLP's screens, right? Because it was uh, the project screens, not necessarily the Samsung screens, but meaning because it was just, it was so magnificent on that scale. And to your point, James, it didn't lose any sort of, uh, it didn't become blurry or pixelated. It scaled flawlessly. That's an awesome point.
0: Yeah, totally. And and I think that like, I I do think that we, there is this narrative and I actually don't like buy into it too much. uh, But this idea that like, well, anybody's going to be able to create digital art through AI and you know, like whatever, it's all going to look the same, which I know. I just said, I don't buy it, but let's, let's just pretend that's true. Like I don't really see that happening with code based uh, generative art. Uh, Yes, I guess the AI could, in theory, create the code that then creates the generative art. uh, But I think it is relatively protected against that. And so far, uh, maybe this will change. So this is like a little bit more of a fringe thing that I haven't fully thought out. But like, I don't see how we're going to get long form uh, AI generated art. Like, there's no real concept of this. All of the AI art so far is pre-curated. And again, I'm not saying that it doesn't look great, but it does lose that mystical quality of, you know, the one in a million output or the one in the 10 million output of the artist saying, wow, how did that happen? Like, I never imagined that that could occur, right? Everything is pre-curated, even if you're like taking the example of a PFP, even if you're randomly like putting the traits together, it's not like a trait will emerge that the artist never intended but is still somehow like super interesting and appealing like that's just not going to happen uh, and i think if you believe in a world where we're flooded with art and a lot of it is ai generated and there's no differentiation well there you go there's some differentiation all right well i will i will uh, <laughs> i will continue then uh but uh, you know, maybe I could ask you a question, James. Like, are you hearing or are you seeing more artists move away from long-form gen art? Or is that more of a, a collector thing in our world that we're noticing or hearing about?
2: That's a, it's a good question. Like, I wouldn't say I'm the best person to ask. Like, I don't necessarily have my pulse on the market. But I did see, like, a lot of, I think, artists putting out work just like leading up to like the FX 2.0 uh, um, FX hash 2.0 launch. And like, there's just like a lot of projects that came out and I feel like there's almost a little bit of a um, a downtime now where people are kind of taking a step back, maybe building for like the summer, that sort of thing. I don't know, like a lot of people, I think it's kind of like a badge of honor to launch a good long form project. And then after you do that, maybe people kind of st- take a step back and maybe they do, like curated pieces or one of ones or plotter work, that sort of thing. Um, But I mean, I do feel like it's cooled a bit to answer your question. The last like two to three months, just because like it's a down market too, you know, and like some people felt like they got burned with just like the ETH launch on FX hash and high gas prices and basically trying to like figure out how to price things in real time. I mean, it was, it was hazardous. And I think that that kind of stopped people from like, Going all in and launching so fast, maybe.
1: Welcome to our two new guests. Oh, well, three new! Look at this. Yeah,
2: yeah. This no, that
0: that's good to know, started. James. And it does sound like it, it's hard to differentiate the the market from some kind of broader sentiment going through. But uh, Akin, Akin. I'm sorry, I always forget how to pronounce it properly. But uh, I think you're first one. How's it going?
3: Good, thanks. It's Akin. Um so I mean I think in sort of like the conversation around art and generative art and different formats, I, I feel like ultimately um intent and authenticity will always matter. And I often feel like the differentiator with a lot of art outside of just the visual and what it looks like is also the story, the provenance, the artist, the whys, like it's, it's a lot of the conversation around it that actually kind of form a bigger picture as to right, what you end up with as the outputs, right? And I think that there are many layers of that, right? Because you can fall in love with the software and the algo and what was built. That's, that's a part of the art. In fact, that's an integral part of the outputs Right, and, and so when you're seeing things like traits and thinking about probabilities of certain things existing, yeah, there's, there's a visual probability, but it's also right, engineered to some extent and defined by the rule set of the software. And that is also compelling for certain people. Um, and it feels to me too that ultimately what, what creates this sort of validation or consensus around art is, is also oftentimes the community that corrals around it over the long-term and the things they value and the exchanges that happen. And, and that to me matters over a longer time span and it's not always obvious in the short-term, but you know, from my perspective, I think that the artists that are in it for the right reasons who... What I mean by right reasons is, right, it matters how you wield these tools and it matters what your intentions are and it matters you know, how authentic that process is, right? And you can see the difference between those who take it seriously and are really about the craft and those who are just sort of jumping in a bandwagon for a short period of time. Um, and in my mind, all those things matter. And to some extent, sure, the market does, right? If there's activity in the market, if there's interest, if there's funding coming through, Right? It helps. Like, I'm not gonna like say that's not important, but I also do think that um, regardless of that, you know, you can kind of sort of tell those who really, really um, dig into their craft and are doing it for the love of the art. And in in my mind, I think that's where a lot of the value lies. And then it's expressed in terms of, you know, community interest and eventually over the long-term price. Uh, I think that, you know, short-term price is really a poor measure of of ultimate value, right? And so over time, you know, at some point, maybe that price catches up with value, but I feel like it's it's always lagging. Um, and what you really leave behind is, you know, the continuous interest in your work and and the community that's kind of built around it, right? That's why I feel like when I look at, you know, things like... Um, early art blocks, are like before it became a thing, a lot of those who corralled around it were those who were really, really interested, right? Many who had experience who are now leveraging this medium and these new tools in ways they couldn't before. And then it produced very interesting things as a result of that desire to to sort of like get somewhere, right, to sort of build something new, to be innovative. Um, And, you know, I just feel like that authenticity really matters. And over time, you know, if it's sustained and if the interest might wane and ebb and flow, but if there's a constant sort of growth in the industry, you know, over a longer time perspective, then things will kind of fall where they where they will.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I I think that uh, to some extent this is a, a public service announcement. Uh, not for for you but for people who i think are are starting to question this art form because of the shorter term price action but but i completely agree with you i mean there are some long-form collections that i think are just so good and like the price hasn't caught up with it uh like actually james is i love ori that by james merrill up here i love um screens by thomas and peterson i mean These are like really, really good examples of this craft done well. And uh, I think that people are just not really, they just don't know yet exactly how to see the instances of the craft done really well. And by the way, I hear this from artists too. I hear artists saying like, oh, like I should just release a long form collection. Those are the only things that get attention. But a lot of times that's in the short term, right? And you know, short term could be a year or two. Like it, it, it could take really some time for uh, a greater understanding of this to emerge. But, you know, if I had to sum up my long rant, I would say that this feels like an innovative new collector experience that I believe is superior to some of the other ones that I've experienced. And therefore, I don't think it's going anywhere. If anything, people just haven't quite experienced it yet. That's uh, that's at least my take on it. Um, but no, I love that comment. I, I completely agree with you. And I do think a, a broader uh patience is uh, is required, but uh, Daniel, thanks for coming up as well, DCA. I'd love to to hear
4: your thoughts. What's up, astam What's up, Jared? Thanks for having me up here. I oh, love I'm loving the conversation.
1: So thank you for coming up. We love you. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I I just wanted to be up here just to hang out in the uh, speaker's lounge. Uh, You know, I don't (laughs) I'm usually not up in these things, but uh, I figured uh, I don't really have a lot of formulated thoughts, you know, right now. But uh, just just real, real quick, though, like generative art is definitely not dead, you know, like long form. I don't think it will die. Um, I'm sure people in the 60s when they were doing this kind of stuff, they thought, you know, like it's not it's not dead to them. Right. Even though to the rest of the art world, it was nobody wanted to buy their works. they You know, they didn't have any attention or anything. They're just operating, uh, as artists do like in their own headspace and, you know, without like any kind of financial motives and all that. And, you know, and here we are like however many years this is like 60 years later and generative art is like full force, you know, and, um, maybe it comes in and out of popularity, but it's never going to die. In fact, like my opinion is that like code-based art is like, this is the, be- this is all the beginning of it. This is just the start because you got to think that like this upcoming generation of people that are just, they're like, you know, like, like kids, kids these days, right. They're, they're, they're being born into technology. They're not going to understand a world without technology. They're not going to understand a world without computers. They're not going to understand a world without digital art. They're going to think, oh my God, what? You used to make art with a what? With a paintbrush? What in the world? You know, in the same way that we think like, oh, photographers used to like uh, have to, you know, like hold uh, their camera real still for 30 seconds to take a snapshot, right? Or like, um, you know just like technology changes and 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 we grow into you know what our society is is giving us and uh right now, like digital art is the future like it is the way forward, and that means that computers are gonna be everywhere, and in order to understand computers, coding is gonna be like you know a staple of every education curriculum because um, you know, it's the new language. It's it's a it's a language based on math. It's it's more true than verbal language because you, you can't be false. And so, like you know, like the computer language is going to be a form of expression. I mean, it already is, but it's going to become more common. And and if you think about it, like kids are being uh, picking up pencils. I mean, they're picking up iPads before they're picking up pencils. They're using touchscreens before they're you know, like even opening a book, like. There's a huge tsunami wave of a generation that is completely digital and computer based that's coming and it's unstoppable, you know. And generative art, like here we are, like this is maybe like the third wave of generative of art. If you take into account like the 60s, and then there was that was the first wave, and then there was, you know, something going on in the 80s and then in the 2000s, and here we are today with like. Uh, you know, the blockchain making it front and center, but, um, you know, this is all the infancy of it. Like what's going to, what's going to happen moving forward? Is it more people are going to understand how to code and more, there's going to be better languages too. But at the heart of all of it is just chance and randomness. I mean, that's, that's the heart of the art form. So really, if, if, if chance and randomness, which are things that can never die, if as long as they exist then generative art is going to exist, you know? So, um, Anyways, just some thoughts off the top of my head, and uh, probably probably don't make sense too much, but yeah, thanks.
1: No, I, I absolutely loved that DCA. I, I like the the correlation to the, what popped in my head when you talk about programming and its universal application. Is it almost becomes a universal language, and with that being, you know, ver- universally accepted, you know, I think that there's that opportunity for this to to propagate in in a in a way that hasn't been seen by anything else in the past. The the other thing is this is more about like digital art or NFTR or whatever you want to call it. But I think that the the accessibility of it uh, you know you don't have to go to a gallery, you don't have to go to a museum. Just being able to hop into people's wallets or their gallery.so like th- there's there's just so much lower barrier to entry for anybody that it's it's far less intimidating. And, you know, I have even more conviction because a lot of people in the space maybe hadn't, I mean, asked them, you've admitted like you haven't necessarily been like a, a museum goer previously, but yet we've been able to tap into this, this visceral love for, for art. And I think that randomness that you speak of DCA is really at the the core of why gen art is so special.
4: Yeah. It's the chance and randomness and, and chance art was also like a thing in the past, you know, like, uh, like surrealism in a way brings in a little bit of chance and randomness. Um, And, you know, and so artists have always kind of dabbled in these topics, but it's not until the, you know, the computer that, you know, you could really harness it in a much better way. And, uh, you know, like, in fact, chance and randomness, I would argue that it actually accelerates the artist's uh, exploration you know, whereas like a painter is using just whatever thoughts and emotions are passing through his mind, you know, to paint something uh, like physically, and it might take them a week to make a painting or maybe even faster a day. But with, you know, with computers, chance and randomness, what it does is it like supercharges that process to where you can explore 10,000 iterations in a couple of minutes. And so like, because there's like inherent benefits to using this kind of art practice or using this kind of medium as a, Form of exploration, then, you know, like for that reason alone, like it it makes sense to to adopt it. So, like you know, like the, the more adoption is is in my opinion and that that's what the result will be. Anyways, well, thanks for having me up here, y'all.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And feel
4: free to hang out and, and
0: chime in uh, later if if you need to. Uh, that's actually a really great point about chance and randomness. And I know uh, Jared's like a big Jackson Pollock fan, and it strikes me that that actually is, is a lot of what he was infusing in his art there. Uh and I yeah, uh, it's always awesome to hear you talk, PCA, because I don't know if folks don't know, like Daniel is like very uh highly trained as an artist uh even before coming to more of a code-based side. So it brings a, a rich knowledge there. Uh and and Harvey also trained as an artist. Uh how's it going man? Would love to hear any and all of your thoughts.
5: Hey P. Hey Jared um thanks for having me up. Yeah, just a, just a a few thoughts just coming up for me during, of course, this conversation. Um, I, I mean, clearly, obviously, I you know, I'm I'm a big fan of long form generative art. Otherwise, I wouldn't invest so much time in, in developing it, right? But it's more more a thought for your for the collectors. Um, I I personally feel like, um, it's it's the an artist's entire career that actually makes work, what makes their works worth a lot long-term. You know, I I was just trying to think of an example of an artist, you know, an artwork which which is sort of like regarded as important today, which was made in the last century by an artist who had a short career. And I can't think of a single one. Or, you know, so it's not about sort of like, I would say – in in Web3, we tend to focus on collections, <laughs> but really it's going to be whether the artist is still going to be around in 10, 20, 30 years, you know, dedicating their life to their art. And it might be that they, you know, maybe they start off as a long-form generative artist or whatever, and they, you know, maybe they become a performance artist. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But if if they continue to produce good quality work, and you know they dedicate their life to the, to 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 doing interesting things, then whatever they do will be worth something in the future. You know, it, it might be that we have a, uh, you know, it maybe maybe William Mparinra becomes a performance artist, but his work will, if he goes on and becomes a great, you know, whatever he does, if he keeps doing it and he keeps doing it really well, his work will be worth a lot. It's that whole career that's important, you know. Um, and I, I mean, it's kind of like a cautionary note as well, you know, if we, if we place a huge importance on say, um, I don't know, let's, let's not name collections, but a collection. And if that artist is not going to continue to make good art, then, you know, it, there's a whole kind of history. If you look at traditional art, those artists that just, you know, make art for a few years, they work sell for millions, they're hot for a while, they're soon forgotten, you know? So, um, it's... So, it's kind of like a, I guess I'm saying, you know, we, sh- we should probably invest, we should have convictions about artists rather than any particular collection. Um, so, that's really all I was thinking.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Another part of the patience theme. Uh, Akeen, please.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think those are really good points by Harvey, and it's funny because, you know, I was thinking about it. You know, one of my favorite artists is Van Gogh, and I've read a lot about his life. I have a lot of books. And the thing to the point Harvey was making is, like, I don't think I don't think he sold any art during his lifetime. I think most of the art he sold initially was like his brother bought a couple of pieces, but at the time it just was like, oh, this is not art. <laughs> like, you know, um, Impressionism was not a thing and it wasn't the focus of what people thought was great art and i think that part of why some of these artists have emerged right in modern times as great artists is they they kind of started a movement and a new way to leverage a a canvas to express new ideas or express ideas in different ways and to a large extent right part of what makes the story interesting is Someone dedicating, or people dedicating their lives into an interest and into art, where there was no financial gain. In fact, the the logical thing to have done in that time was to go find and do something else, because you're barely making a living out of it. But you know, there's a there's something authentic about that, right? And something pure about that that I think, over time, made people gravitate towards it. And then the whole body of work is extremely relevant because it tells a story to, to the point Harvey was making. Like you, you can you can follow an artist from their early works through different periods, and it almost is a documentation of their lives and what the emphasis was, which makes it even more compelling, right? Because you can actually see the growth and the trans and the transition and and all the things that kind of you know go into it. And and so I feel like there's also that just importance of art as a means to not just document, you know, a person's life, but also as a way to document history, right? And to express history in more dynamic ways than just, you know, reading a story in a book, right? About something that happened. There's just something more to it or, or a different expression in that medium. And I think it's, it's important that, I think to, to Harvey's point that um, in some ways the, like history almost, like um, self-selects those who seem to be about the art and about the expression and true to themselves um, versus, right, the might have been great artists that did things for a short period of time and then said, no, like, this is not viable. I'm going to do something else. And we never knew who those people were. And so I think that's a, that's a definitely a point to, to highlight and until to almost to sort of remind people, like was said, that there has to be some sort of a long-term interest in collecting, you know? And, and I think part of the challenge that we face in with the digital medium as well, and the way in which people can kind of acquire these assets is that they also become potentially financialized too early, but it's, it's kind of the way it is, right? I mean, it's open and accessible and, and that makes a place really, that makes it very noisy in the short term. I think over the long term, you know, the, the, cream of the, car, the cream rises to the top. And, and I think people should be cognizant of those things and almost notice those artists who seem to be, come rain or shine, trying to push themselves right, to, to new levels of expression, trying to push themselves to new markets, trying to push themselves to express themselves in different ways and, and grow and mature. And I think it's, it's a privilege to kind of follow some of those artists. Um, at this nascent stage and, and just see where they're going the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years.
0: Yeah, man, I, I could just listen to you talk about this, like, for, for hours, uh, like, so well articulated, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, I think it's kind of that, that longer story, and I, I love what you're saying about art capturing that moment in time as well, and I think that what art does far better than any sort of a history book is it it helps to teleport you to those feelings that were happening during that time. It communicates that emotion of that time in a way that you can't with a more, let's call it, purely factual approach. And uh, I think that's that's some of the power of it, right? And we even see this in, in, in memes, right? Like some of the, the most expensive X copy works are effectively means right click save as guy last selfie right but they're also commentary on the time and uh, i think it's it's really powerful there and i do think we will look back at some of this early long form generative art and it will be seen as uh you know that moment in time that early expression of the blockchain uh but also a, a new way of creating an experience for folks that was just more difficult and harder to do elsewhere like i I am incredibly bullish on this concept of the art fused with collectible. I think, I still think that is one of the more brilliant unlocks that we've had here uh, and uh, just unlocking just an amazing experience. But uh, you know, and and I think it's only going to continue. We're going to get more and more creative stuff. Like I actually saw uh, 113 just joined who, helped you know, who created terraforms and, and that's just a whole nother level of sophistication and interesting that I think most people, even in our space, just haven't quite appreciated or scratched the surface of. And it's so privileged to be in this position where there's so much creativity and so much support and interest for art, I think, that I it, it surprised me, truly. Like, a lot of the people here, I feel like, are sort of the the bros that I went to college with and you know, would never have been interested in art before, but now they are. And it's, uh, it's really awesome to see that. Uh, but I, I want to thank everybody. I have to run. We're hosting some folks. My wife's going to kill me if I don't start helping get ready soon. But I really appreciate you all coming up on stage and sharing the great thoughts. Kane uh, DCA Harvey James. Like really, thank you and for, for everybody in the crowd listening, and uh, you know for everybody who listens over in the podcast or late in the recording. Like really appreciate you all. Um, yeah. Any, any uh, parting words, Jared?
1: I'll say, let us know if you want this to be a more regular discussion on Friday. I, I love the turnout. I love the conversation. I'm deeply honored by everybody sharing their thoughts and, and listening. It was so awesome to hear all of the artists' perspectives. So thank you truly. for coming up. And thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. truly thank you for everything. Um, it, it's actually been a highlight of my day. This is this is awesome perspectives. Yeah, it's
0: great. It gracious. gives me more
1: conviction of the space, right? I'm, I'm more convinced than, than before we started this space
0: hundred percent i mean to to see the caliber folks here the collectors the artists the builders uh just in the crowd like this is this is awesome and and honestly this is what the space is about so uh, i feel honored for you all coming and listening to us and and thank you And yeah we'll we'll do it again we'll pick another topic and yeah we'll run it back but i hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day and weekend and let's let's keep at it let's keep building this art world